Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. Hello everybody and welcome to another real world road test on the Radio Show Limited network of channels. I'm John Hindorf and I've come halfway around the world to test this particular car because I can't now get one of these new in the UK. I've come to Australia and the subject of this test is the Porsche 991 Generation 2 GT3 Touring. Real World Road Tests. Right, well, let's turn off the flat six engine and uh, start outside the car. I thought you would enjoy a little bit of uh, Porsche flat six noise before we got things underway. So, Porsche 911. Absolute classic, of course. And Porsche are past masters of towards the end of the life of a car uh, on an iteration bringing out some special edition models. The 991 Generation 2 was no exception to that rule. With the 992 already available for order in the UK and indeed here in Australia, people probably already forgetting about the 991 category, but this is a car that will not be forgotten very, very easily at all. At the end of the life of the 991, Porsche came out with uh, a set of four litre cars uh, including the R and the GT3 which were to some the ultimate iteration of the normally aspirated flat six cylinder engine all of the cars that followed on from that and indeed the new 992s so far at least uh, are all the three litre turbocharged engines now I've driven those cars and they are very, very good indeed. So what makes this Porsche GT3 Touring so different? Well, first of all, let's talk about that 911R. It was immediately a classic, immediately collectible, and people speculated on those cars, and some made very decent money indeed. Anything with RS or R, or even to a certain extent with GT in a Porsche 911, is something that's going to command a price premium and certainly the R did. Essentially this is a very similar car to the R and of course to the GT3 on which it's based. The GT3 for many people though just a little bit too shouty with stripes and of course that big wing on the back with the uh, rear deck of the car trans- transformed into something more akin to a race car than an executive express. Well, with the GT3 Touring, what Porsche have done is, in some ways, perhaps undermine some of those speculators because they've brought out a car that looks and feels and sounds very much like the R. In fact, there's a little bit of a performance advantage over the R, uh, and it doesn't shout as loud as the GT3 standard car. There's no price differential, by the way. The Touring and the GT3 come out, at least at the starting price, uh, exactly the same. 
So where are the differences? Well, first of all, this car is in Grand Prix white. And you know what Paul Trustwell says in our racing broadcast about boring white Porsches. And in some respects, this is a boring white Porsche. If you are not a Porsche aficionado, you will look at this and go, oh, there, there's a Porsche. It's a white Porsche. Great. If you know your Porsches and you're into them or you're a Porsche owner, particularly down here in New South Wales where there's 5,000 members of the New South Wales Porsche Owners Club, then you will have people talking to you about this car immediately they see it. With no big spoiler, big aerofoil on stilts at the back, the back end, I normally start the front of the car, we'll start at the back of this one, the back end has a much cleaner look. There's a grill on the engine cover rather than the louvered that you've seen in the past and a very discreet GT3 Touring badge where the GT3R badge was on that particular model. The pop-up aerofoil, similar to its uh, less exciting cousins, but with a tiny addition of a maybe one, one and a half centimetre gurney flap in body colour on there. You actually can barely see it unless you know that it's there. Twin exhaust poking menacingly from under the number plate at the back and the wheel arches extended. This is the wide body car with the air exits behind the rear wheels. Little bit of a diffuser underneath again with the wire mesh grille over the top of it. The wheels, 20-inch all round with the centre-lock nuts. That's exactly the same as the R and the GT3. Uh, these are finished in a nice satin silver colour. But there's nothing shouty at all about this car. little bit of uh, black underneath the uh, substantive bodywork. You can have that body-coloured if you want, but actually I quite like the content the contrast on this white car the mirrors are in body color as well just a tiny little bit as you can see in the in the sunshine here of the metallic paint showing through but it really is a very understated car round at the front if you're very keen-eyed indeed you will notice a slightly different front end treatment from the gt3 with the wing on it and that's because those clever people at Porsche realised that they would have to balance out the aerodynamics of taking that big rear aerofoil off the back and so having done that they've slightly extended the front end there's a little bit of different treatment here I think it looks slightly more aggressive particularly with the black accents and the meshes in the air intakes here and but it's still very clean with the uh, ceramic badge or the uh, coloured badge of the Porsche crest of course on the front this car has got the clever headlight systems that go around the corners and one of the little options it's got is that the headlight cleaning system is painted white as well so those little pop-ups there are in body colour as well but it's clean it's understated but it's unmistakably a Porsche and a 911 and by the way if I pop the bonnet here I call it the bonnet you know what I mean the bit at the front at two Reasonably sized carry-on bags in there, uh, plus, well, we're in New South Wales, you can't possibly go around without going to a couple of vineyards. Six bottles of wine in there, in a case, and some uh, colder weather clothing that hasn't been required in there. It's not the biggest luggage storage area in the world, but it's certainly uh, very practical in terms of a car this size. I can't find an angle that this car doesn't look good from. Front three quarters, down low, even standing over the top of it when it was parked at Ridges, right next to Mount Panorama, the hotel where I've been staying down here whilst I've had this car. Looking straight down on it, the proportions just work beautifully for me. The very 
slight overhangs between the front wheels and the front of the car and again the wheel at each corner stance that this 991 generation 2 has i think this is possibly one of the best looking porsches since my classic 993 of course i'm biased towards the air-cooled car just a, a tiny bit but there's something about this shape of car that porsche have just got right and without the aerodynamic add-ons there's a there's a paucity there's a an a purity of the design that I like a lot. Of course, as Porsche's 911s have come on down through the years, the angles have changed just slightly. And when I think of my 993 and the flared wheel arches at the back of, of the Carrera 2S against this car, in some ways, this, this is a more contiguous design. And certainly, the curve over the top of the roof from the windscreen all the way back down to that very sculpted rear end works very very well indeed well this gt3 touring don't let it fool you this is not necessarily something that you're going to put a tow bar on uh, and throw a whole load of luggage in of course it's still a 911 i think it's made slightly more practical by the fact as you open the door just two doors of course nice long and wide opening uh, it's a pillarless door so no uh, frame over the top the glass has dropped all the way down here uh, this one has got the middle seat option there's a standard four-way electrically adjustable seat there's the full house carbon fiber sort of race seat this is the one in between it doesn't go up and down it's mounted on a sort of semi-race rail it does slide backwards and forwards and uh, it does tilt forward as well. The carbon fibre seat backs are absolutely gorgeous with all the carbon fibre, of course, running in the same direction. Still has side airbags in here as well. And there are gaps should you want to put in a race harness. The reason that they tilt forward is not because you want to put anybody in the back, because there are actually no back seats. That's one thing that is a carryover from the bewinged GT3. But a couple of haversacks or maybe a race bag or a helmet, that could certainly go in there. And there's a back seat, uh, a back shelf too, which has mounting points for uh, the four-point or five-point harnesses. They're already there. What you don't get with this gt3 touring is the op the opportunity to add the optional club sport pack of the car with the wing that would put a half cage in there as well as some racing harnesses but what you do get which isn't an option which becomes obvious the moment you sit in and by the way these middle sport seats are very comfortable indeed and they're still heated as well what you do get in here is this now i realize you can't see this on the radio but hang on Listen to that. That's me knocking on a six-speed manual gear lever. Six, not seven, like the new cars, because Porsche Motorsport thinks sixes are enough. And with this car, they're absolutely right, because sitting behind me is probably the ultimate version of the flat six, normally aspirated engine, which is the four-litre version, the much-vaunted four-litre version. More about that when we get this car moving and on the road. But first of all, Let's talk about this cockpit. Classically 911 in so many ways, with the five roundel dash, the rev counter placed solidly in the middle with a 9,200 rev limit. Yes, I said that right. 9,200 RPM limit on there. That's an extra 200 up on those people who speculated on the R, by the way. 
not sure what that message is being sent to them. It's a round about 500 horsepower and more torque than you're ever going to need. This is a car that has multiple personalities and you can shift up at 11, 12, 1300 revs, getting up into sixth gear, into top gear at between 40 and 50 kilometers an hour out here. So that's what, you know, 25, 30, 35 miles an hour uh, if you convert that back to Imperial very much a Porsche interior there's nothing flash on the steering wheel no need for flappy paddles here of course so you've just got the control stalks for the information dial one to the right of the uh, of the rev counter but it's it's pretty pared down to be honest this car does have cruise control and yeah that's fine for tootling along the central part of the dashboard and instrument console dominated by a that five and a half six inch touch screen that's got everything you want you can delete that if, if you want you can delete the air conditioning as well but frankly uh, this is not a stripped out track dear monster this is something of an in-betweener but it's a very good in-betweener and again we'll come back to that when we start to drive this car so sitting here everything comes to hand uh, there's no Alcantara in this that you get with the GT3, the standard GT3, you might call it, with the wing. Uh, it's a full leather package inside. This one has guards, red, accent stitching and seat belts, which I, I honestly thought would be a bit gaudy when I read the spec sheet. Not at all. Uh, it actually fits in rather well. It's one of the more toned down ones that I've seen, uh, to be honest. But there's just something that is completely right about everything here. Uh, no audio controls on the steering wheel. It's a simple three-spoke steering wheel with an airbag in the middle and the Porsche crest on there as well. The pedals, well, here's something that is very different from my 993, which have very offset pedals. These are right in front and perfectly positioned for healing and towing. Three pedals and a footrest for my left foot. Of course there is, because... It's a three-pedal car and a clutch gearbox. Um, you can hit the sports button, which does the rev matching for you. But I've been healing and towing since I was 16 years old, and I haven't forgotten how to do that, so I don't need to flick that on. But I suppose if you were pushing on a little bit harder and you weren't feeling as confident, you could knock that on. Uh, you've got a spoiler raise and low, the dynamic sports exhaust. That gets hit every time I start it up. Uh, also the standard or sport chassis i'll be honest with you i find that the sport chassis is very very good it's pretty compliant nice flat twin motorcycle going through there and the standard chassis is more than enough to take on the worst of urban city streets down in sydney um traction control and um uh, various modules can be taken off ESC and TC. You can take them off individually or as a pair, should you want to. I've never felt the need to do that because I'm not pushing this car really as hard as that. Beautiful place to sit in here. The only Alcantara is on the roof, so you're not touching that. And on the uh, the front, the air pillars uh, in front of you, it's a long way to the screen, but it's quite airy in here for a small sports car. If I have a slight and it is only a very 
slight concern. It is that I can't move the seat up and down with it being fixed on its uh, on its runners and on its mounts. And I do feel like I'm sitting slightly higher up than I would like to, but with that I can at least see all four corners of the car. The passenger seat sits a little bit lower. It's the same that that just slides backwards and forwards. There's no other adjustment. But to be honest, these seats are so well designed, that's not too bad. The seat height issue is actually completely mitigated by the fact that, unlike old Porsches, of course, all of these cars now have steering wheel adjustment fore and aft and up and down. Right, that's enough of that. You want to hear this flat six turn on and run, don't you? I'll let the traffic go by so that you get a better idea of it. Uh, This is a car that needs a key to the right-hand side of the steering wheel. Dip the clutch and... It's lovely, isn't it? Even on idle. We'll let that warm up a bit and then we'll take this car on the road. It's a real-world road test on Radio Show Limited's network of channels and we're in the Porsche 991 Gen 2 GT3 Touring. Real World Road Tests. Right, so the engine is running, the little blue light that tells me that the engine is a little too cold has just dropped off the dashboard, ticking over just under a thousand revs select first gear in the beautifully tactile leather and aluminium gear lever and with me settled down nicely behind the wheel of this Porsche GT3 Touring what I'm going to do is just pull away nice and slowly no burnouts no silliness because this isn't a car that you need to drive like a hooligan in fact In some ways, it rather makes you do quite the opposite. If I tell you now that we're on the front straight of the Mount Panorama Bathurst circuit, which has the hash markings, the temptation is, of course, to drop the clutch and go like the clappers. But this is a public road. There's cars coming in the way this time. So there'll be no histrionics or heroics as we head to Hell Corner, the first of the left-handers before we go up Mountain Street. In fact, there's a bin wagon coming the other way. First thing to note about this Porsche is how connected you feel to the car. I just, hang on, I just have to do this. See, that's great, isn't it? Both of the windows are open, I'm taking it nice and easy, but the connection to the car is absolute and immediate. The steering, Well, you really feel like there's nothing between the wheels and the steering wheel other than a steering column. It's almost like there isn't any power assistance. There's been all sorts of talk about uh, the way that the Porsche steering has been uh, fiddled with down through the years. But with this 991 Generation 2, I think they've got it pretty nigh on perfect. With my backside nestled down in this optional sports seat, I feel as though I could drive across continents. And of course, that's exactly what this GT3 is meant to do. Coming up towards Griffin Bend, there's a bit of work going on here as the infrastructure from the high-tech oils Bathurst six hours has been removed. So we'll just give the guys plenty of room here as they're doing their work. Now, this is a perfectly smooth racetrack, of course, as well as being a public road. So the sport suspension 
is not having to walk very work very hard at all heading up towards the cutting i'm in fourth gear we're doing 50 kilometers an hour and the car's pulling perfectly the sports exhaust just buzzing along behind us i'm going to leave the windows open uh, so if you're hearing a little more road noise than usual don't mark the car down for that into the cutting in race trim of course this would be down to third or second but we can easily take this in third without being at full revs this is a one in six climb and if i just squeeze the pedal then the car responds almost instantly from just around two and a half three thousand revs heading up over the top of the mountain now you have to remind yourself you're on a public road because this is where the Porsche is saying come on you can give this a go well of course we can't because there's a 60 km an hour speed limit for all of the days that aren't racing here but even at this reduced speed what this Porsche is giving me is excellent feedback it's got the active steer on the on the rear end which at high speed keeps the car very very stable indeed it also reverses when you're uh, parking as well so turns in the opposite way to the front wheels which makes it have a very neat turning circle indeed for a sports car that's got wide 20 inch rims through towards skyline now and the vista uh, mount panorama gets its name is right in front of us now again we've got some workers here so let's go all the way down the gearbox Brock skyline always a few tourists here and no difference a couple of thumbs up from some audi owners on the left hand side now as we're heading down through the s's and into the dipper and this really isn't giving this car a workout at all and that's not what i wanted to do in this section of our real world road test but what it does do is it concentrates the mind about everything that's good about this porsche and it's everything because it has everything you need and nothing that you don't the car responds instantly to all of your inputs. We're already down at Forrest's elbow. Little bit of a dab on the brakes. This doesn't have the carbon ceramics. Doesn't need them. Turning in again here and just feeling the front end bite. The temptation, of course, is to open it up to 194 miles an hour, which is this car's top speed quoted down Conrod Street. And I have no doubt... I have absolutely no doubt that this car will get close to the magic 200 miles an hour and I think it would do it in style and with alacrity. Just uh, pulling out to avoid a bit of debris still on the road. So how do you sum up a car like this that is in some respects the ultimate iteration of this Porsche? The 991 type Porsche range now consigned to history the 992 is the new iteration i've got to tell you it's going to have to go some to give you the same kind of feeling that this car would this car does the four liter engine naturally aspirated there's just something magical about that flat six and the way that it starts up the way that it runs and the way that it thrums along around about 60 70 miles an hour it just has that slight edge to it that gives you the idea even if you're in sixth top gear of the performance that is under that engine cover behind you i like the pared down nature of this car 
I like the fact that there's no back seats. I don't need to carry anybody in the back. And let's be honest, a 911 at best is a 2 plus 2. But I also like the... I suppose I've used the words purity in the design, but it's purity also in the execution of this car. The fact that there isn't anything extraneous on it, there's nothing that showed. This is a performance Porsche, a very high performance Porsche, for someone who is at ease with themselves. This is not about someone who needs to shout to the world about their driving prowess, about which cars that they pick. Nah, not at all. This is a car for someone who is very comfortable with themselves and with Porsche ownership. The GT3 Touring 991 Generation 2 will be talked about for a very, very long time. Those who have already driven the 992, the new version of Porsche, and we haven't seen their performance versions yet, tell me that that car is another step forward. Well, they must be extraordinary because this is the Porsche that I would happily take home and have on my drive. In fact, if I'm honest, I've already been looking around for used examples in the UK because you can't order one of these in the UK anymore. They've already had a little bit of a, a price incremental rise and that is, I think, not just because of the usual speculation on a run-out model of Porsche 911, but I think it's because people are cottoning on to the fact that this is an absolute performance gem. And in some ways, when it was out in the UK, I think it was £110,000, that might have well, well have been undervalued by Porsche. Try and find one now under £150,000 and you're doing well. If you do, will you drop me a line? Because I want to be in line for it. Right, I've got to take this car back to Porsche at Sydney now. But before I do, I just think, one more run around Mount Panorama, because even at 60 kilometers an hour, this is exactly the right place for this Porsche GT3 Touring. Program is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLamont.com.